God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So, let me ask you that question. What does God say? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when does God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially, the Bible is a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that Jesus said we'd recognize his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Can anyone hear God's voice? What about those who don't know him? Can those who've never been to church before hear God speak? And what about people from other religions? Can they hear God's voice? Hi, and welcome to episode 41 of the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, author, speaker, and founder of this ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Today, we're privileged to have the esteemed Dr. Amos Young on the show to talk about some of these questions. Amos is an eminent theologian, a prolific author author, some 20 titles to his name, and a researcher. Most of his work has been on the work of the Holy Spirit. His titles include a theology of disability, interfaith relationships, global theology, and even a theology of Down syndrome. He's a child of pastors. He spent his first 10 years in Malaysia and then was raised in California. Today, we're privileged to have him on the show to talk about this very important topic. Can non-Christians, can people who don't follow Jesus hear God's voice? Well, a big welcome to Dr. Amos Yong, all the way from the States today, Fuller Theological Seminary. It's such an honour to have you with us, Amos. And thank you for being a part of the God Conversations podcast. For the sake of the audience who don't know you, now the academic community knows you extremely well because you are um, a very well-known theologian, but for the rest of the world, perhaps they have not really heard of Dr. Amos Young. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Tanya, for having me on. I was born in Malaysia a long time ago, and when I was 10 years old, my parents, who were Pentecostal ministers, moved us to California to do basically ministry among Chinese-speaking immigrants Mm -hmm. to the U.S. This was in the mid-1970s. So I went from being a pastor's kid to being a missionary kid and then uh, grew up the rest of my time in Northern California. I went to a Pentecostal Bible college and met a Mexican-American woman to whom now I've been married for 30 years and we have three kids and we have one granddaughter with a second one on the way. Congratulations. And thank you. Um, you don't and, look that old, I might say. <laughs> and I've now been at Fuller Seminary in the School of Intercultural Studies for the last three years. Fabulous. So you, you were raised a pastor's kid and a missionary kid as well. Um, what about your own spiritual journey? What, was, what did that look like? Yeah. Well, my born-again experience from at least the way in which I, tell, I give my testimony was when I was six years old and my father on a Sunday night service showed, this was um, early on, um, uh, showed a film about Christ's return, and I was compelled to receive Christ into my heart. But I think the more powerful experiences were when I was um, in my teens in the U.S. at the annual, basically, home missions Chinese church um, summer camps. Yeah. Um, These were bilingual. You know, they were 
Cantonese-speaking services for the older folks, and then there were the English-speaking services for me and my friends and so on. But, uh, yeah, receive in Pentecostal circles. It's what's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, had really, really powerful um, altar times with friends and so on. Yeah. And it really stayed with me over the years. Um, and in all, I think those are probably more determinative for me in terms of... Uh, shaping my identity as a Christian, mm. as a Pentecostal Christian mm. particularly. Yeah, because many of your works today are on the role of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. Would that be true? That's probably pretty true. Yeah, <laughs> it features very strongly. Uh, what about yourself? Um, looking back, we, our podcast is all about God conversations. Um, <clears throat> in thinking back on your own God conversations, would there be any that stand out for you that were yeah. significant in your journey? So, you know, there's one time where I could say that I felt like I had a vision, and that was when I was probably a junior, a sophomore junior at Bethany Bible College. Um, I had, I was very, you know, those were the years in which um, I belonged to a, uh, a day, an, um, a, an every morning, every weekday morning sort of campus prayer meeting. And I would usually get up even earlier than that to spend some time myself in prayer, um, and then even oftentimes, and then I became the leader of that group, yeah. and then um, prayer was, prayer in, in the sense of the classical understandings of prayer were really a, a big part of my life in those college years. Um, and there was one time I think I was in the chapel, and I think a late morning, early afternoon, um, again praying, and I just felt, I felt like I, I felt like that was the time I had a vision of, of yeah. the Lord show up and encourage me. And just make his presence felt in my life in a way that uh, hasn't happened, didn't happen before, and really hasn't happened after. Uh -huh. um, so I haven't had many of those sort of what you might hear more often in Pentecostal circles. Yeah. But uh, again, I think I, I go back to the time in which I received the baptism in the Spirit. Um, those were those weren't necessarily God speaking, but those were really, really powerful experiences that have really stayed with me even 40 years later. Almost like God speaking without words, perhaps. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he doesn't always just need to use words. Not in my case, anyway. Yeah, yeah maybe um, he already knew that you understood. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, true. I, I wish that were true. Probably it isn't, but in any case. <laughs> I think um, reading some of your work, Amos, and listening to you, you're um, a great thinker. Um, which has its liabilities, by the way. Yeah, I wonder, <laughs> you know, I've often wondered if um, those of us who think a lot, it's harder for us to hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I do think that one of the things I grew up as a Pentecostal preacher's kid, Pentecostal missionary kid, was that, and, and my mother uses language of God spoke to me a lot, always yeah. has. yeah. Um, when I was growing up, still does, even today, you know, when I'm talking to her. But I knew, I know that, and my dad doesn't use that language. Yeah. So my mom uses the language a lot. My dad doesn't use that language a lot. But certainly one of the things that I grew up learning and hearing about was that um, God speaks to us also through the Bible. Mm. And when I was uh, a junior high, in junior high and high school, I told you about these summer camps. And these summer camps, we had Bible quizzes. So me and, now you know, we had 10 or 12 churches in our little Chinese district, home missions district in Northern California, Assemblies of God. And so there was probably about half a dozen sort of Bible quiz teams. And our church was small compared to some of the other ones. So it was probably only about 
really it was just me and this my friend, and we were like a two-person Bible quiz team. But um, I will say this, that I had at one point over the course of about four years memorized the New Testament. Yeah. Which was in part motivated to win Bible quizzes. <laughs> I wouldn't like to repeat it against yeah. you. I we, we, we won you a lot imagine? of Bible quiz competitions. <laughs> I bet you did. Um, but, you know, I, I think it was also a part of that being brought up to say that, well, the best way to hear God's voice is to know the Bible. Mm -hmm. So it was to, to win Bible quizzes. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that there's a certain sense in which that, in hindsight, I didn't know this. I couldn't quite have put, couldn't quite have put it in, those, in these terms when I was memorizing all those scriptures. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't say that I've got the whole New Testament memorized today. Mm -hmm. Obviously not. Um, but I think there is a sense in which when you do memorize scripture, um, that it does shape our souls. Mm -hmm. It does give us, I do believe, a direct window of a certain sort to the heart of God, mm -hmm. which is not to say that there can't be or doesn't need to be those moments where you do, and I do often, you know, uh, in prayer, um, often in my work, I'll say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Mm. Um, I need you in this moment. I need you to give me your words. I need you to give me your thoughts. I need you to guide my heart and my ways necessarily expecting God to answer audibly, and he never mm -hmm. has, but always with a really, rarely ever do I ever leave those contexts and not feel that the Lord hasn't responded, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, yeah. from just a sense of, here's what scripture does say, I believe that as we live into the scripture, um, and it doesn't mean living into scripture in any kind of literalistic way, but um, knowing the heart of God as revealed in the scriptures and then kind of being able to be discerning in, in any particular context, even in, in the course of always inviting the Spirit to mm -hmm. make that word come alive, to uh, turn that word from a verse into a path, if you will, mm -hmm. right? Which is not always a verse. It's, it's usually, a, uh, I think that's in part what I would call today a simply um, sort of living into the scriptures, mm -hmm. which again, it's not necessarily living into any particular verse, but it's living into the way of God and the heart of God as sort of unfolded in that sense. I, I hope, I, I don't like really claiming too much for myself on these kinds of matters, yeah. but I think that's one of the ways in which I at least talk about my own journey in terms of walking. It, it's interesting, um, you comparing the language of your mom and your dad, mm -hmm. because even in my own research, I've discovered that our use of language is very different. So one certain personality type would say, oh, God spoke to me. But the other personality type wouldn't call it God. They'd call it mm, my memory, my intuition, whatever. So sometimes it's hard to know the difference, isn't it, between your spirit being transformed into the image of Christ mm -hmm. and God's spirit working with, you know, that sort of thing. And our language... And one of the things that's kind of funny, you know, I told you we married to my wife 30 years, and sometimes we kind of kid around ourselves and say, Mom talks about God speaking to her a lot, but oftentimes we really wonder in terms of what she does. <laughs> and Dad never says anything about God yeah. saying anything to him. Yeah. But there's always a sense in which we know that he's sort of just walking in the Lord. Yeah. So... How often does God speak? I often say, with me, God doesn't seem to speak that often. I feel like his words are like steak and they take me a long time to digest mm -hmm. um, rather than fairy floss. But then other people, I, I, 
I do think our personality comes into it the way we understand mm -hmm. our experiences. Mm -hmm. But Amos, what I'm also really interested in is you've done a lot of theological work on the on the work of the spirit in other faiths and religions and a lot of interfaith dialogue and trying to understand, well, how is God's spirit? We see him working in the church, mm -hmm. but what is he doing outside of that? Is he speaking to people who don't know him? Well, before we get to that, I think it's important for me to maybe take a step back. I actually do talk about the life of the church for a little bit. And, you know, as as, as we've already mentioned, I mean, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, my mom and dad themselves had very different ways of sort of sort of living Pentecost. But our church was, was fairly traditional in that respect. Um, and, you know, spirit baptisms. Um, my dad doesn't talk about God speaking to him, but my dad... Every service he has, he prays for people who are sick. Mm -hmm. And we do hear a lot of testimonies through their ministry about God's healing and God's touching and so on. So um, those are all part of what I grew up with. And I value that and I've embraced that and that's been an important part of my own journey. I do think, though, that one of the things that as a theologian I've been, I felt um, perhaps as part of what my vocation is, is to... You know, I think given all those strengths of our Pentecostal churches, one of the weaknesses of our Pentecostal churches is that we see the Spirit in these sort of hyper-intense moments, mm -hmm. but in other, in much of the other parts of our lives, we don't see the Spirit sort of there because we have kind of defined the Spirit in these certain ways. Mm -hmm. And from that, one of the ways to kind of put it is that, you know, other, other church traditions would say, well, we want to emphasize the fruits of the Spirit, Pentecostals emphasize the gifts of the Spirit. Yes. And there's a kind of, um, yeah, I think that's kind of right in some respects. My response is to say, no, it's not about emphasizing one against the other. Um, but given that I've come from a Pentecostal background and I still do live in, in Pentecostal context, I do feel a part of my vocation is to help us Pentecostals embrace the fruits of the Spirit, but not just because we want to be like other Christians, but really to say that you know, Paul talks about the spirit-filled life, which means that every aspect of our life should be led by the spirit. Mm -hmm. So part of what I feel has been important for me is to help, first of all, to understand myself and perhaps to help other Pentecostals appreciate all of what we do in our lives, in whatever vocation that we have in our lives, mm -hmm. as part of what it means to be filled with the spirit, not just those moments when we're speaking in tongues and experience healings and giving words of wisdom and knowledge and so on and so forth, although certainly those are part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's really from that background that I've also then been led to see that, if you will, the Spirit does things, enables us to be faithful in the very mundane things of our lives that we often don't recognize as being enabled by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we often just kind of think, well, I'm doing my devotion, so that's part of my faithfulness. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say, well, yeah, our devotions are also enabled by the Spirit. Our, our prayer, you know, scriptures talk about the Spirit praying through us. Um, they're mundane things that we do, but we should understand those sort of mundane moments as part of what the Spirit gives to yes, us. Yes, because he's us. always with us. He's always with yeah. us. Every and you get to see it sometimes, and otherwise you sometimes just Sometimes we it's see true. and hear it, feel yeah. it more palpably. Yep. But, you know, in fact, the Bible, that is one another one of those things that I've 
kind of really been intrigued by, and a lot of my theological work been driven by it, is that, you know, in, the, in both the Old and New Testaments, God's spirit is actually literally God's breath. Mm. And he breathed into us and gave human beings the breath of life, which means that every breath we take, which is what we do every moment of every single day, is in some respects mm. living in and through God's spirit. You're listening to God Conversations with Tanya Harris. Did you know you can subscribe to the program's podcast on iTunes? Simply look up God Conversations with Tanya Harris and click subscribe. Then you can listen to the program on your smartphone or tablet or computer, wherever you happen to be. That's the God Conversations with Tanya Harris podcast on iTunes. Why not check it out today? Welcome back to God Conversations with Tanya Harris. We're talking on the show about the voice of the Holy Spirit, particularly in the lives of non-Christians or those who don't follow Jesus. You may have heard the stories coming out of the Middle East where Muslims have been having visions of Jesus. One story I heard of recently was of a young woman who was on her Hajj, that once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to Mecca in Saudi Arabia. And during that time, it's a period of seven days where a whole host of rituals are performed. She experienced a dream. Jesus appeared to her wearing white robes and spoke to her and called her to follow him. And that dream, that experience with God's voice turned her life around. But you'll also see stories of this kind of thing happening in the Bible. God is speaking to people who don't know him. I think of the Egyptian pharaoh, for example. He had a dream about skinny and fat cows, representing the years of famine and plenty that were to come. Then there's also Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king, who God spoke to about his pride in a dream. And of course, King Abimelech, God spoke to him and said, don't sleep with the lady who was Abraham's wife, though, of course, he didn't know it at the time. So what we see is that there's plenty of precedents for this in biblical history. Well, I posed the question to Dr. Amos Young. How does the spirit work in the lives of those who don't know him? And we'll pick up the conversation here. That's this, I think, is a good segue to really go to the question that you're really asking, Mm -hmm. is that human beings no matter where they are, no matter what circumstances. Breathing human beings are connected, at least in that respect, to the spirit, the breath of God. We have life by the breath of God. And I think we start there, then there are all kinds of opportunities open up for us to testify to one another, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for us to begin to see how God is perhaps working in ways that, you know, there are lots of missionary stories that you hear about, well, you know, I I went to here and there, but then I realized that God had been there before I was. Yes. Kind of a thing. Yes. And so those have been the kinds of things that I've been trying to sort of tease out and think about when I've thought about the fact that we live in a, in a, in a religiously diverse world. So do you think the Spirit is trying to reveal himself to people who don't know him? Do you think that's an ever-abiding thing that's going on in the world and then you see those breakouts happening? Exactly, in the same way. That's that's the way I would say it, right. That, you know, in the end, and how it's going to actually happen, God only knows. But in the end, all things are going to be, you know, um, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. And part of the Spirit's work is to lift up Christ. 
Sometimes that happens in very traditional ways. When a missionary comes and brings the name of Jesus mm -hmm. that a people group may not know about before. Sometimes it's about recognizing that um, even when we name Christ, and here's when particularly among in our own constituencies, in our own context, in Christian context, you know, Jesus says, um, depart from me, I never knew you, even though, Lord, Lord, there was that naming of Christ, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so um, how, do we, how do we discern that name? And when is, when is it that Jesus is actually lifted up, even if maybe his name might not be lifted up in an explicit sense, right? So that's where I would say, again, when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, can we see how the Spirit is already at work, at least in those ways? Enabling perseverance, enabling gentleness, enabling kindness, recognizing that, recognizing the common humanity that the Spirit has given us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, as you know, there will be those dreams, sometimes there'll be those healings, sometimes there'll be opportunities in which we will be able to expand understandings of this reality, this love or joy or peace through the person of Christ. Mm -hmm. And then connecting, if you will, the love that's there to the love that's manifest in his life and by his spirit. So I think that those are the kinds of ways in which I've been encouraged to think about. And it's not just people in other faiths, it's people. Generally, people. Yeah. And yeah, they could be in other faiths. I don't see any reason why God couldn't use different faith traditions and some of what is practiced in those faith traditions as pathways and stepping stones, if you will, um, that point people in certain directions. So when I think about Muslims, for instance, you know, Jesus actually appears in the Quran in a lot of different places. And it's not exactly the same, of course, as in the New Testament, but I do think that one of the reasons why Muslims do dream about Jesus as much as they do is because he's there in some respects in the Quran. Mm. And from that perspective, um, well, they recognize him. They recognize him yeah. in some way, yeah. in some way, right? But then the every, dream is designed to open them up into yeah. a more fuller picture, if you will. It's interesting because every um, testimony I've read um, <clears throat> where Jesus has appeared, they immediately know who he is. Mm -hmm. And there are some reoccurring factors. They feel the presence of deep love mm -hmm. and an awareness mm -hmm. of his majesty or mm -hmm. his glory or something mm -hmm. to that effect. Mm -hmm. And that then calls them. Well, I've often wondered if, you know, if I'd been born in Afghanistan and I'm exposed to Islam, right. what, would, I, what, would, I have, would I have been one of those ones, a seeker after truth? Would I have been one that Jesus would have appeared to? I don't know. Right. What, right. you know, it's just an interesting yeah. thing to understand, okay, what is the spirit, that Acts passage that talks about that he's reaching out to those who don't know him mm -hmm. and how does he do that? Um, we see the effects of that sometimes, but we right. don't always see what right. he's doing, do right. we? No, and I, you know, I, when I when I look back on at least my own life, and I'm sure that you can as well in, in yours, you can always see that you know you've progressed over time. Mm. Your understanding has deepened over time. Mm. Um, you might say, well, a previous understanding of mine about the spirit probably was wrong, even, and maybe I've been led to make that correction, but we can always nevertheless, even through that, say somehow that 
um, even with an incomplete or even an inaccurate understanding, God was still leading me. God was still calling me. God was still doing something in my life. Yeah. You know, and and I think that that's part of what the creaturely condition entails, meaning that by definition, what it means to be a creature is we're never going to know everything. Even, you know, there's this interesting thing I think that some of us have is that when we get to heaven, we'll be omniscient. But that's not true. To be omniscient is a divine property. Right. And there, there's never going to be a time I'm not going to know, every, not going to know everything all the time. <laughs> no. I'll still have questions. Right. Oh, right. Uh, so but much the point, though, would be that we grow in grace, yes. grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ. And part of what it means to be a creature is that we'll mm. be corrected, we'll be expanded in our knowledge, you know. And for that exact same reason, I do feel that people of other faiths or people of no faith, they're also on a, on a path, mm. on a journey. You know, God is working in every single human heart at their knowledge base. Sometimes he'll bring a missionary, an evangelist, mm -hmm. that'll, that'll bring a specific name, the name of Jesus. But there have been lots of people that have never heard that name. Mm. I just think that I don't know what's going to happen with them eternally. Mm. But I do think that whatever's going to happen with them eternally, God is going to be just about it. Mm -hmm. And I do think, you know, that we hear this saying a lot. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what really heaven is really all about, to be honest with you, as a, even as a theologian. <laughs> what? You don't know the answer uh, to that? I've never been there, so actually, yeah. I really wanted to know if I my know. cat will be there, actually. <laughs> well, in, in fact, but I will say this, right? I mean, haven't we heard the phrase, something along the lines that, well, there'll be two surprises when we get to heaven, wherever that is, whatever that is. Yeah. One is that there'll be lots of people there that we didn't think were going to be uh, there that are there. And yes. then, too, there are going to be lots of people that are not, not, there. not there that we thought were going to be there, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So what does that mean? Well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? Um, but you know what? I'm glad that that's really not our job. Mm. Our mm. job is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mm. mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbors ourselves, mm. whether they're of another faith or of no faith. Mm. And loving the Lord our God with all that we are means that our passions are involved, our minds are involved. It's not about having to check out our brains at the door. Um, our hands are involved. It means, you know, in Luke, the gospel about, about the spirit of Pentecost, that narrative about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength is followed by the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is really about just simply... You know, kind of like Matthew's um, sheep and the goats. It's kind of like, well, have you clothed somebody that needed yeah. it? Um, yeah. Which is not even about, here's Jesus. It's, In fact, what's interesting is that as we were clothing people that need it, Jesus actually said that he was there in those persons, and we get saved through that. Yeah. Sometimes we think we're the ones saving yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're the ones true. actually are being saved by loving our neighbors ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree with you. So it's about, isn't it, it's about recognising that God is at work all throughout the world, that he's our source and he's our breath, yeah. regardless of whether we know him or not. Yeah. Um, but also, to, I think, is to really help pray into that and facilitate that with all that we do and all that we right. are and enable God's presence to increase. You could say that the one thing that would be different about us and non-believer, non-Christians, let's say, um, is that we do know based upon Scripture. We have that knowledge. And um, part of... That is a little scary, though, right? Because to whom much has been given, much more will even be required. Mm. So from that perspective, 
Um, sometimes it's almost even better to be ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, but too late now, I suppose. Stop my doctorate now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, you know, we do know, and therefore, how much more ought we to respond in love? How much more ought yeah. we to respond in embrace and in um, looking to listen for? How is God present in the lives of our neighbors? Mm. As well, mm. you know. Um, in fact, I, I guess maybe I don't know if it's where we're at in our discussion, but I would say that one of the ways in which we don't often think about, in terms of God speaking to us, is asking ourselves, "Lord, what do you have to tell me through my neighbor?" Mm. Mm. From you know, my tradition, mm. we're more interested in, "Lord, what are you going to have me tell my neighbor?" Yeah, that's true. I'm not saying that I don't have anything to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've yeah. heard me. I've written yeah. a lot of books. I've got a lot of things yeah. to say. It's not <laughs> that. <true>. Yes. <laughs> you know, but, but oftentimes we don't say to ourselves, Lord, what is it you want to speak to me in this circumstance? What is it you want to teach me in this context? What is it you want me to learn through encountering this alien other, whatever this alien other may be? Might be a doctoral degree. Who knows, mm. you know? Mm. But this this strange situation, relationship, occasion. Yeah. Um, and I find oftentimes that that's where really God can actually really speak the loudest. It's when we're, and by loudest, I don't mean audibly, but I mean that when we're really, because oftentimes otherwise we're just reacting to situations. Yeah. We're uncomfortable. You know, it takes up our time. Um, well, I wish this person would be quiet so I can share the gospel with them. And in those contexts, then, we're so preoccupied with whatever we think we've got to say or do that we really miss out on the fact that God's trying to say something to us. Yeah. And, and there's an opportunity to learn something, to, to see him in a, in a new light, and so on and so forth. I think it is the posture of learning, isn't it? And yes. listening. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's kind of a cliche. I mean, I've taught undergrad for six years yes. before I went, to then I've done seminary and now grad teaching for... 12 years, I guess, um, I think in, you know, one of the models of teaching undergrad, uh, 18 to 22-year-olds, is that, well, this is just an undergraduate degree. What we hope that you will come out of here with is that you'll be a lifelong learner. Absolutely. Isn't that true? Mm. And I think that in the context of what we're talking about, we're really talking about, Lord, we hope that there's never going to be a moment that we'll say, there's nothing else I need to hear from yeah. the Lord about, yeah. right? Um, and there's a sense in which I think those are equivalent. Um, to be a lifelong learner is to be about being open to this journey mm. with Christ, the God of the universe, the one who created us, um, who knows us better than we know ourselves. We in our finite, puny brains, but yet with the remarkable capacity to always be transcending. Mm. That's what learning is, isn't it? Yes. It's what I call intellectual conversion where and it's, it's not intellectual conversion just to be smarter. We can talk about it in terms of wisdom. We can talk about it in terms of knowing the fundamental things that matter. You know, I've been married for 30 years, and my wife still surprises me in yeah. all kinds of ways, sometimes yeah. in ways that I'm not really excited about, but <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking yes. about, right? Yes. But, but I, it's, it's that context of saying that, that person, personal relationships are about growing and deepening and expanding and developing. And when we finally come to the point where we're not doing that, well, our relationship's going to be in trouble, first of all. Yeah. And if that's the case with 
creaturely spousal relation, how much more with relation with God, right? Where um, shouldn't next year's walk with Jesus be a little bit different? Hopefully a little bit deeper, yeah, higher? Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think that posture of learning. Yeah. And I often talk about a posture of listening too. I think they're connected. How do I hear God's voice? Well, I, I, there's no list of things to do. It's more a heart attitude. God, what are you saying? What are you? And and if you if you don't want to learn, then you're not going to hear. As that's you know, true. as a teacher. Or, yeah, and that's a fine line between wanting to hear certain things. That's true too. <laughs> <laughs> I often say, yeah, God, speak to me as long as you say this. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Confirm, so confirm this particular thing that I really want right now. Yeah, exactly. Rather than God, what is on your heart for me to learn and grow in? Mm-hmm. Um, some really awesome thoughts there. I love your attitude for learning, even though you already have learnt so much that you've passed on to us um, as a community across the world. Amos, it's been such a privilege to have you on the podcast. Thank you for sharing some of your story. I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Australia. Great to have you on the show today. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing on iTunes. Search for God Conversations with Tanya Harris and click subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review so others can learn to hear God's voice too. 